here's Pastor Ed with a brief preview of today's edition of Voice of Faith. He comes when really you know it has to be God. You know it has to be Him. You know it can't be yourself. You know that it's something supernatural that's going on. And here Jesus came just at that moment. Now, Jesus is there and He gives us incredible promise. Incredible promise. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Today's message follows Jesus as he performs one of the most memorable miracles in the Bible, the raising of Lazarus from the dead. Pastor Ed takes this story to remind us that Jesus will be coming to our aid right when we need it, but maybe not when we think that it would be best. Lazarus's family would have preferred to have Jesus show up before he died. But God had a better plan. God has a better plan for our lives too, and is waiting until the perfect moment to bring about a miracle in our own situations. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message entitled, The Resurrection and the Life. John chapter 11. Powerful story of Jesus' power over death. Death can't hold you when Jesus calls you. Death can't keep you when Jesus summons you. And this story found in the 11th chapter of the Gospel of St. John teaches us so much about the power of the risen Lord. We're going to begin reading with verse 18. John's Gospel, the 11th chapter, beginning to read with verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had been laid in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha had said to Jesus, if you had been here, My brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know. He will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and he's asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up and quickly went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews, who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, 
he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. And the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? Jesus once more was deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been there four days. And Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. Jesus said to him, take off the grave clothes and let him go. What power. Do you know the only time Jesus ever attends funerals is when he raises people up. I mean, you never have a record in the gospel of Jesus attending a funeral service that he doesn't break it up, that he doesn't disturb it. Our Lord is powerful. And he promised us that if we would embrace him and follow him and believe in him, we would experience his power in our lives. We're going to study the word this morning, and it's my prayer that you'd walk in the confidence of the Spirit that Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life. I don't know, for many years, Mel Blanc has been associated with the characters, the cartoon characters of Warner Brothers, uh, the Looney Tunes. At the end of a production, you'd see Bugs Bunny come out onto the screen and say, "Uh, that's all, folks. Well, that's the voice of Mel Blanc. Mel died a number of years ago, and his family put on his tombstone. That's all, folks. (laughs) Easter answers that question, is that really, that's all? Is death a period in the sentence of life, or is it merely a comma? If you were to ask Americans, and we've done many surveys, one survey said 10% believe in America we return to the earth in a different form. You know, like Shirley MacLaine, I don't know, and some others. Uh, 10% believe that there's no life after death. And there's 24% of Americans believe that the soul lives in a different place determined by past actions. 48% of Americans believe That if you confess your sins and believe in Christ as Savior, that heaven is your home. They believe in a heaven or hell. And then there's an 8% who are undecided. Well, what's the answer? What happens? 
Friday looked dark and bleak. It looked like it was the end of Jesus. It looked like he was a victim. But Easter Sunday proved he was a victor. He triumphed over death and the grave. The narrative that we read is filled with truth. The narrative that we've looked at this morning is instructive to us. In the midst of a discussion with Martha, in the midst of her sorrow, how many of you know that in the midst of sorrow, Jesus teaches the greatest lessons? In the Bible and in your life, you walk through a hard place, you walk through a difficult place, you walk through some place where you say, boy, I don't want to be in this situation right now. God has something to say to you. God has something to teach you. In the midst of this graveyard, in the midst of sorrow and mourning, Jesus spoke the fifth I am statement in the Gospel of St. John. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me will live, will have eternal life, even though he dies. I want you to look at the instruction that Jesus gives to Martha. It says, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. Now, Mary was overcome with grief. She was back home. She didn't want to move. You know, we all respond differently to the trials of life. We all respond differently even to the blessings of life. Uh, Mary is back at the house just weeping and crying, and she just can't handle things. Now, Martha's always used to getting things in order, setting things right. She's a wonderful hostess, and she's concerned about all of the details. And you see Martha is taking over at this moment. Let me just stop and say something here. When Martha meets Jesus, she talks logically to him, and she's listening to him. When Mary comes, what does she do? She falls at his feet and she's just broken up and saying, Lord, Lord, if you had been here. And Martha said that too, but they said it in two different tones and two different ways. Not everybody responds the same way to God. Some people, when they worship, I mean, they're going to take off. You know what I mean? Uh, they're ready to take flight. And now, some others... Are, are fairly still, but they're still worshiping. Both Martha and Mary loved Jesus, and Jesus loved them. I don't judge, as the adage goes, a book by its cover. Don't judge people by always their response in that moment. But there's this dialogue that goes on between Martha and Jesus. And you watch Jesus bring her along in truth to a point of revelation. Here's the dialogue. It goes like this. Martha said then to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, there's almost a shadow of correction Maybe disappointment. Lord, if you had been here, my brother had not died. And it's almost like she's trying to correct herself when she goes back and says, even now I know whatever you ask God, God will give it to you. Sometimes we say things that we partly believe and partly don't believe. She said, Lord, whatever you ask, I know uh, he'll give it to you. And... Um, 
Listen to Jesus' response. Your brother will rise again. Now, she didn't hear it the way Jesus said it. She heard it the way she had been hearing it for four days. Those in Jerusalem, those in Bethany, those in the surrounding communities, because this was a well-known family, a, a family of means. They were coming and they were comforting her and they were saying over and over again to her, Lazarus will rise again in the last day. Don't worry, there's life after death. He's with God. So when she heard Jesus say that, she was thinking about all those good things that people say when a loved one dies. And so Martha responds, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. What Jesus does now is he gets her eyes off her circumstances. How many know that's not a good place to keep your eyes? He gets her eyes off of her circumstance and he redirects her vision to himself. He redirects her vision to himself. Listen to what he says. I am the resurrection and life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? What Jesus said, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He didn't say, I'm going to resuscitate him. I'm going to bring him back to life. He was going to do those things, but he said something more than that. He said that he was the resurrection and the life. And that if you believed in him and you trusted in him, that when death reached out to take a hold of you, it would really not be able to conquer you or keep you. Uh, Jesus was saying, if you believe in me and you trust in me, you're going to live forever. This is the promise. What a revelation. Now, what's her response when she hears that? What's, she said to him, yes, Lord, I, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God. Even he who comes into the world. Three things, she said. I believe you're Christ. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you're the one who's, gonna, who's coming into the world. I believe you're the Messiah. She had faith, but Jesus was going to take her to another level of faith. She had faith, but he was going to, take her to a whole nother level of believing. See, the Christian life is going from one step to another step to another step. Uh, the light of the just grows brighter and brighter to that more perfect day. And, and God is bringing her further along with all of the disciples. See, they had seen him have power over nature. They had seen him even raise the dead. They had seen him open the eyes of the blind. But this man had been dead four days. The Jewish people believed that when a man was dead four days, there was no chance of raising that man up. They said, ah, the body... After three days, uh, the soul hovers around and it looks, but on the fourth day, when the body really begins to decompose even more, it leaves. So they wrote him off. There's no way. That's the way Jesus is. He comes when it's impossible. He comes when, really, you know it has to be God. You know it has to be him. You know it can't be yourself. You know that it's something supernatural that's going on. And here Jesus came just at that moment. Now, Jesus is there, and he gives us incredible promise. Incredible promise. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this?
Do you? Oftentimes at funeral services, I'll read the Apostles' Creed, sometimes at the graveside, sometimes in the service, because it ends with the hope of the resurrection. For over 2,000 years, men and women have banked their lives on what Jesus has said. They have hung on to that promise, and they are not disappointed. They are not disappointed, because the hope in Jesus is to place your hope in the right place. Now, you see this instruction, but then you see something else, this identification. Shortest verse in the Bible. John chapter 11, verse 35. Jesus wept. The Jews noticed. They said, see how he loves him. Just the fact that Jesus was there was a comfort. Sometimes you don't understand what's happening You don't understand why it's happening, and you have no control over it happening. But the fact that he's there, Jesus is there, and he empathizes. He feels what we feel. There's a debate. Why did Jesus cry? Well, he cried because of the unbelief of the Jews that were around. He cried because of the grief of Martha and Mary and the other close people. He he cried perhaps because this is not the way it was supposed to be. God never intended for death to reach out and take man's life. God intended for men to live. And so he wept over the fallout of sin. There's, There's a lot of different views, but I think one of the main things as we see is this, that Jesus cares and he experiences the pain that we experience. Those times where you feel loneliness, those times where you feel like you're all by yourself, perhaps a, de- a loved one has died, someone that you've journeyed life with for years, he understands and he knows. Perhaps it's frustration at the job or frustration at home or it's pain in your private life and somewhere where you're just struggling and you're saying, oh God, God knows. And he cares. I love that song, He Knows My Name. I remember going to Washington, D.C. and visiting the various memorials, the Lincoln uh, Memorial, uh, where so many go. Uh, but one of the memorials I stopped at was the Vietnam Veterans War Memorial. This black granite wall with 58,000 about 58,000 names there. I think there's eight women and the rest are men. And the first thing you're, when you do that, you just begin to want to reach out and almost touch those engraved names. And you begin to think about who are they? Fathers, sons, husbands? Who are they? And and as you look, you see various paraphernalia there. Someone left a little teddy bear. There's a sonogram that was left of a child for their grandfather's name who's on the wall. Uh, There's a wedding dress never worn. They archive all of these things, the National Park Society. When people come along and they put all of these different things that represent them trying to express their love to that loved one, maybe a letter. And it almost seems like they're, they're trying to reach out 
and push beyond that wall and, and touch that person and, and make contact with them. I wondered, as I looked at that wall, how many of those men, how many of those few women that were there knew Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior? Every time when I go and to a funeral and I perform a service and I go to the graveside, I'll look at the tombstones, I'll look at the gravestones and I'll wonder how many people will really hear the resurrection voice and they'll be raised to newness of life. How many of them really know Christ as their personal Lord and Savior? I was reading a story about Don Piper. He has a Times bestseller book. It's been bestseller for years, 90 Minutes in Heaven. He was in Galveston, Texas, and he went in his car and he was going somewhere, and he was in a terrible car accident. He was immediately killed. And they placed the tarp, I guess, over him, and a pastor was driving by, and the pastor felt the stop. When he stopped, he felt that he was to pray for this man, and he began to pray for Don Piper. And as he began to pray, God said, start singing. What a friend we have in Jesus. As he began to sing that, that man began to sing it. He came back to life after being dead 90 minutes. He told about his experience of going to heaven and seeing friends and seeing loved ones. And he had this intuitive knowledge of people. He knew them even though he had not met them. He said it was wonderful. And he said the, the 90 minutes he saw heaven's gates and he saw the beauty of heaven. And he wrote about that in this book. It's real. It's real. There's a passage of scripture in Isaiah chapter 63 verse 9. It says this. Through all that they suffered, he suffered too. The messenger sent from his very presence delivered them. In his love and mercy, he protected them. He lifted them up and carried them throughout ancient times. This is referring to the Jewish people going through the wilderness experience. What God was saying in his word was all during that time, the angel of the Lord, he was there with them, God's messenger, and he suffered with them. That's what Jesus was doing at the grave. He was suffering with humanity. He was suffering with every single person who would lose a loved one, who would weep for the loss of a mother, a father, a brother, a sister, a family member, a friend. He identifies with our sorrows, but he doesn't leave us there. He performs a miracle that is a prototype in the sense of what he's going to do in the end of the ages. He performs a miracle that's a parable of what he will do in the last days when he will call the dead back to life and there will be a mass resurrection. You see this demonstration of power. Listen to verses 39 to 40. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see the glory of God if you believe? If you're listening today and you've recently placed your faith in Jesus, this has been a perfect message for you. 
The Gospel of John is one of the very best places in the whole of the Bible for new believers to begin studying. And it's not just for new believers either. For those of us who have walked with Jesus for some time, it's always a wonderful reminder of who we're following. You've been listening to Voice of Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now we want to encourage you to log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. There you'll find today's message. The only thing you need to remember is today's date. Again, to stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Voice of Faith and to access an archive of messages, log on to voiceoffaithradio.com. Or if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Voice of Faith. On behalf of Pastor Ed, Faith Assembly, and the entire production team, we want to say thank you for joining us and come back next time for another edition of Voice of Faith.